On this episode of What's Up Award, we call this one From Prison to Prospering. We meet a young man who started out with a very rough life and somehow turned it around. By being a high school dropout, serving five years in jail for being caught with 72 pounds of marijuana, he has two felonies. He survived being shot in the back, losing a daughter at a young age back in 99. He found the strength to survive his marriage, go back to school, and get his GED at age 30, go on to get his bachelor's degree, and start his own business where he's making over six figures a year. Listen to What's Up Award and find out how Mr. Michael Corner turned his life around. What's up, good people? My name is Wardy Ward, and my main man to the left of me is known as Trey. What it do, bro? What's going on, Wardy Ward? Another day, another nickel. You know how I do this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, if this is your first time listening to What's Up Award, we welcome you to our humble abode. And we also like to shout out returning supporters such as Gerald Lee Jr., a marketing branding coach out of Florida, USA. Salute. Salute. Okay, well, we have a special guest today who uh, some may call a real-life inspirational story. Let me give you some background on him before I introduce him. He uh, dropped out of high school and at a young age, but before he dropped out, he was a track record holder that's still being held today at Franklin Central High School in Indianapolis. Wait, man, what? Like, what, yeah, what? What? Yeah, I think he, I think he was like a, a, a low uh, hurdle jumper. I think he wanted like a 50-yard dash something. But anyway, he... Uh, He's had to spend five years of his young life incarcerated. Mm-hmm. He has two felonies. He survived being shot in the back. Um, lost a daughter at a young age in 1999. And he still found the strength to go back to school after all this and get a GED at age 30. And he didn't stop there. He went on and got his bachelor's degree, too. And now he's also an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur! If I didn't know, but I think this was a lifetime movie. But I know the brother personally, so... Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Michael Corner. Welcome to our show, brother. What, 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 what? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Yes, I'm, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I appreciate you guys. Are some good good people, man. I love being around good people and helping people. Appreciate you. Appreciate All right. you. We definitely got him food. So let's, uh, let's, get, <laughs> let's go on to the man. So many questions we want to start with you on, but I want to go back to um, the beginning of I guess when you were younger, because uh, you had quite an interesting life thus far, and I think it's only getting started. But I want to jump into when you went to prison. Let's start there. What led okay. up to what led up to going to prison? Uh, my life in the streets. Uh, I was uh, actually selling weed and in the marijuana game, and you know I was out there in them streets. You know, just a typical hanging around the wrong crowd, trying to find his way. And you know, I found I found a way that I found out that it wasn't my way. <laughs> but right. It took a while. Just with the background, I was after you know selling weed and uh, marijuana and just hanging with the bad crowd, trying to be accepted. Mm-hmm. So you had to end up doing five years for that. Yes, I had. Uh, I got caught with a lot of weed. I had a. Uh, I had a lot. You know, when I was 19, 20 years old. I had a lot of over fifty pounds. And dang, you know, yeah. I mean, well, to keep it accurate, then I was 19. I had 72 pounds. You know, I had my house. <laughs> yeah, get, yeah get, I'm, your, get your full credit now. Oh, man. You know? <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> yeah, so right. Hey, <laughs> you weren't playing. So, you got 72 now, pounds. Yeah, man. by myself, man. I just, you know, we was doing it. I mean, it's just, and in the mix of that, you know, a lot of stuff came with it. 
you know, I just, you know, getting incarcerated, getting shot and robbed and stuff like that. So I just, and I lost my daughter in 99. It really wasn't yeah, my year right that. there. Yeah. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Yeah, man. I lost so, my daughter. Yes. So was that normal to have that amount of weed when you were selling? No, that was very unnormal. The guys around me, they, you know, nobody ever knew, and I can speak about this now because you could put a fork in me. I have no issues saying that, no, I don't mess around. I don't want to be around it. Nothing mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But guys, was their, their normal was maybe two pounds, a pound and a half. But, you know, just like I've, you know, elevated my life and I had to listen to different voices in my head, like, man, you got transferable skills. I just had to figure out how to use those skills, mm-hmm. those trans- transferable skills. So maybe two pounds was the average, maybe five or 10 if they was, you know, really moving something around. But, you know, I was kind of, you know, I was I was the guy behind the scene, if you want to put, oh, Mike is cool. He's OK. Yeah. And everybody liked me and stuff like that. So oh. it pretty much, yeah, you know, it was different rules and different, you know, different games or jobs that you're in there but you got to follow the rules of that game or that job or that you know that organization or that system absolutely you mm-hmm. did you think yes. you were uh were, did you have an end game when you were selling weed or you just, just no. do it for the moment no i didn't have an end game that's what i was so i'm so happy and grateful about now because i just wanted to see and i kept a job i've always kept a job matter of fact uh me and you were we met working yeah. you know i've always i've always kept a job what, what, and, what, what kind of work was ward doing <laughs> No, well, we, we met. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we. Uh, I was doing counseling. Right. Um, I've always kept it. Right, so you know, right. I've always been an outside the box thinker. But I just won't want to put that thinking. I will say this, but won't go any, anything else. And I want them thinking the wrong thing. But I've always, when I was selling weed, I'm like, if I keep a job, I always keep different clientele. You know, different people, mm-hmm. you know, so people around me and then, you know, you're a good, easygoing guy, you're respectful and everything. So people like you. So they're tr- right. Uh-huh. It knows that I'm the manager, the manager, the supervisor or a partial owner. And I'm coming to this guy, you know, behind closed doors, buying marijuana from him. So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't have an end game. The, the answer to your question, I didn't have an end game. I just thought, you know, I just keep selling weed until they close the plant down. Then we didn't. You you know that section over there in Indianapolis by Methodist, right off the highway. They built yes. that new Methodist right there on 15th and Senate. That's where yeah. our plant was. It's called United Coatings. That's where I used to work. And they bought us out and sold the land to Methodist. And you know we just pretty much went from there. Mm. Okay. I was in my early twenties. Early twenties. I was there for five and a half years. I had the best attendance, you know, in, on my side of the building. I was always there. <laughs> of course, well, you had I was a worker. No, I didn't. You had to work. He was working. No, what I had while you was working. Yeah, what I had was a military father, and he worked there. He was my supervisor, the group leader, and I can't be late and stuff and right, going right. up. Man, my father tear me up, man. So mm-hmm. I had to be there. And I had to work all the overtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Yeah, okay, it's five of us. And then, um, just history making, I will tell you this, guys. Precious Corner Jones, she's the first African female police chief of Indiana. Right now, she currently has my twin sister. It's five of us. Me and her are the babies. Precious Corner Jones, she's the first African American chief of police in Indiana. And that's my sister. And, I, and we the two babies, but it's five of us total. Wow, okay. Yes, okay. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, I'm so glad that my life has changed because I don't have to use that little 
excuse get pulled over. Hey, you know who my sister is? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, works, she's going to be real disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, She'll hang up on me. If I'm in the wrong, you know, she'll get me. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, but let me go back to that prison thing. I have some, a few more questions on that. What, okay, what, yes, do, sir. Do you, do you remember your first day being incarcerated? Do you remember that first day? Okay, now when you say first day, do you mean my first day in RDC before they ship you out to the prison you're going to be at, or my first day in the prison I was going to be at? Because see, RDC. Okay, okay, let me tell you this real quick. Uh, RDC is 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 nasty. Okay, you're in a cell with a guy 23 hours a day for about 28 days, and my guy that I was sharing bunkies with, me and became really really good friends and stuff. We still talk to this day, and this was in 05. We. But he's six six and make 260, 280 pounds. And Dang. then when you, when you, when you, you lay on a, a if you, in that room, man. <laughs> yes, we got a little small cell. And if you know those cells, when you lay down on the bottom bunk and lay on the other end, your face is right there where the toilet is. Mm. So let's just say me and I had to communicate when we had to use the bathroom. Oh, oh it was, my God. It, okay. It was okay. Yeah, it was horrible. But then my first time in prison i was so happy to get out of that thing it was <laughs> <laughs> prison was an upgrade <laughs> yeah prison was an upgrade and then oh my goodness it was it, it was crazy because when i get in there i go out to the rec yard and i see five guys walking up to me and you know i had to get glasses so when they got like i'll say about 15 15 feet of me 20 feet maybe i saw who it was now, six months, four months prior to that, my cousin, while we was locked up in the county in Indianapolis, he beat his, he beat the guy's cousins up. And now they're after me. I said, man, mm. this is oh. So that was my first day in my other prison. The first day, the other one, you know, I'm dealing with a 6'6", 260 pound. We got to use the bathroom. Then the first day of prison, I'm dealing with five guys, you know, about to jump on me. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's that's how you started out. Okay, welcome to the big house. So, I know, right? So, so what was you thinking? I I can't do five years. Oh, you probably got. Would you do get five? Do seven or wait? No, nah, it was uh, a a ten do five. You know, it was back now. It was a half. You know, day for day. I mean, you know, two for one. But now it's not like that. It was ten do five, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really have a choice. You know, I came off mm. selling weed this doing that so in my head man i've never laid down for five years so when i did that i was just really going day by day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. i would have been day. counting day by day like uh four years and 364 <laughs> days <laughs> and 59 minutes yeah <laughs> i mean Ooh. but you, you had stuff to pay attention to because all yes, them little sir. stories yes, at prison that's the, those stories ain't no lie that's, that's real life that stuff happens do you wow. think the time went by slow or fast for those five years? Uh, it went by extremely slow. I thought I was dead. Wow. Mm, 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 mm. I mean, it, was, it wasn't nothing I was accustomed to. I'm a man of options. And when I don't have any options, it's like being claustrophobia. I'm trapped in a room where I almost can't breathe, so I have no choice but to fall out. That's how I felt. Too much control. Phone calls, visits, you know, they feeling on your mama, disrespectful, and your kids. That's... That's a situation you don't get skilled. when you get locked up. An individual, I say about twenty people get locked up for one. Oh because man, it, that's, yeah, definitely. You know, right. it, it, it affects so many other people. And if you know, everybody has their different definition of a man. But for my definition of a man, you know, we care for those around us, and we don't want no harm or disrespect to them. So in my head, I was disrespecting the people around me by getting locked up. So I had to do something else. Yes. Yeah. So. 
Do you remember the day you got out? Do you still remember? Yes. Yes, yeah, September. Oh, you know you don't forget those days. September first, my sister. <laughs> September first, it sure was. I was down on South Street on uh, South uh, Street on down by the Greyhound bus station. They dropped me off and gave me eighty-seven dollars in a check, no cash. So Dang. I start walking. I start walking to White Castle to see if I can get something to eat. Okay, I was going to ask, what was your first meal when you got out? Got you a slider, okay? Yeah. No. Oh, they didn't give it to me because I had a check. I didn't have any cash. Oh, so. Man. So, and then, you know, I didn't, I didn't remember nobody's phone number, so I just started walking up college, walking to the neighborhood. You you, wow. and you probably still had that suit, didn't you? That uh, With that tan suit? No, nah, they gave you a clothes that you got locked up in. Oh, so you so you had the uh, the, the shoe with the fish swimming in them and stuff? And, and no, nah, I didn't have it go. I didn't do 30 years. I only did five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. My dolo might have said. Yeah. So, so yeah, I walked from Washington in uh, Alabama, was south in like, what is that? That's Cross Street, south go east to west, and college goes north and south. I walked from there all the way up to 42nd in college. That's my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I walked. I was so excited about getting out. I didn't care about the walk. I know you didn't, man. So, do you recall what the weather was like when you was walking? Was it, it, it was good weather. No, it was. It was. Okay. I had to actually take my jacket off and hold it over my arm or put it over my shoulder because I couldn't, you know, wrap it around my stomach and fasten it. Nah, they, they don't play that in the hoods. I can't walk up in the hood like that. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so I guess being there all that time, did that change your mindset about not going back or recidivating, or what, what was your thoughts as you as you walking down the street now? What, what's next for for Michael? Uh, well, actually, my father had had a job set up for me, not a job, but I'm like that entrepreneur was in me. So he had me painting the house, which is next door house to where, you know, the house is the, the family house in the neighborhood. It's on 42nd and Carrollton. So they well, uh, my father told him we talked and I got thirty five hundred for painting that house. And, you know, I paid for all the paint. And at that time, my father worked at a paint company. So I got all the paint wholesale. Dang. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I gave my father, uh, I think I gave him eight. Uh, yeah, I think it was 800 for even getting me the job. He's like, nah, son, that's too much. I'm like, daddy here. And I went and started buying some lawnmowers. And I started my lawnmower company. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Off the bat. Wow, that, that was so Off the bat. <laughs> yeah, so I just, you know. But probation-wise, I had to have a regular job with a paycheck. So mm-hmm. I was working all, I was working all of those on the weekend and everything. I did Whatever what I had you to. could to be compliant. That's what you had to do. Yeah, I have to. Then you had to start paying money to be out, right? Like pay for your ankle monitoring. and your It was 80, $85 a week. Yes, they, they make... It, it was amazing. I did the math. I'm a research king, a guru, whatever you call it. I love that. It was amazing. You got 2,000 people in Indianapolis, right there in Marion County, on house arrest, paying $85 a week. And you only have three to five people answering the phone, and they got to miss work, and they can't go to the council session to interview. It was amazing. I mean, when wow. I worked for the mayor, it was amazing, man. My life has been amazing because I worked for Ballard. When Ballard was mayor, we got that. 2012 Obama re-entry initiative where it was yeah. weed in 2012. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I was the counselor that they hired from Indiana. I was the counselor. The mayor came to the jail to hear me speak to the guys because the word got around. This guy's communicating. Who is he? And, you know, 70% of the guys in there knew me. So they like, Mike, if you're doing this, I know we could do it. I'm going there telling them about Martin University, you know, trying to get them a GED and get them enrolled in college, you know. Yes. Just, yep. Just, yep. Trying to tell them what worked for me, education worked for me. That's that's what worked for 
me in the belief that I wasn't LD, learning disability, what the, I got labeled in, you mm-hmm. know, education when I was in school. Wow. Overcame all that. So I guess you getting jumped by them five dudes really motivated you to not go back. No, I didn't get jumped. This is what happened. I didn't finish it because I didn't want to lag on on it. But this is what happened. The guy, big, his name is Big E. I just keep it like that. Big E, he was my bunkie in RDC, right, before I went to prison. Okay, me and him went to the same prison. Now, keep in mind, this guy's bitching 455. He's 6'6", 260, 280 pounds. So when the guys walked up on me, me and him had already built a relationship. And we know different are the same guys out in the neighborhood. I mean, mm-hmm. out in the streets. Indianapolis, he's like, no, nah, y'all not finna jump little 40th. Uh-uh, that's what they call me, little 40th. I'm from 40th Street. Mm-hmm. He said, whoever got the problem with him, y'all going back there and take care of that. I'll watch out for you. So I tied my boots up and I went back there. And the other guy, he never came. You know, after about five or seven minutes, I walked back up. And only thing he said to me was, I just wanted to know why you and your cousin jumped us. I'm like, man, my cousin didn't jump your, co- your your guy right there. He just beat him up. And then I had to hit you because you was trying to come after my cousin. That's exactly how it went. I'm not going to sit there and watch you hit my cousin while his back is turned. You know, oh, so yeah. that's how that that's how that happened. Oh, yeah. So we, we was cool. We, were, we wasn't cool or nothing, but we didn't mess with each other. You know what I mean? So he right, didn't want right. to I wanted a way where I can at least have one eye open and one eye closed. I didn't want to have both eyes open, so I need to know where he stood on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. So yeah, that that, that man, I, I don't know, man. You so you was ready to scrap it out if you had to, huh? You said you tied your boots I, up. I I had to because this is it's a the thing, I live by missions and a process. Right now I was when I was locked up, I was you know, it was a process that I had to go through. The mission was to get out. So the process is I'm in danger. I can't have limited phone calls. I got to get visits whenever they say I can. I can get money, but I can't spend it if I'm in the hole. I got to get commissary. You know, that was the process. So the process of me getting jumped and fighting, that was the territory in which I was in. So I knew I had to do it. I've never been, you know, a slouch or nothing. So mm-hmm. I, I know how to box. I know how to, you know, what they call throw these hands and get you up off of me. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't afraid for that. My thing was I'm... I'm 178 pounds, you know, soaking wet, you know. So I'm, I'm gonna hit you first. I have to to catch you off guard. <laughs> wow. I, mm-hmm. I don't know, that was just my mentality, and I got in. It was two of them out of five years. It was, it was two throwdowns, and it was amazing after that because I didn't really have to do too much because it was crazy. Y'all. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let me tell you, this was crazy. And I want to tell on myself because I got to keep it truthful. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the penitentiary, y'all selling weed. I'm just what? keeping it true. Yes, I man. I was, man, but trying and doing it, you know, it's two different things. <laughs> well, I guess 72 pounds is a lot of weight to, to move. Like, yeah, you yeah, move you know, you got to move it where you can. You got to diversify, right? Yeah, I'm not, even, I'm not even gonna ask how you got it in there. I'm just, I'm not, just go ahead with the story. I'm not uh, no, no. <laughs> to protect the innocent, to protect so Yeah, was, the man. names have been changed. Hey, 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 Michael, let me help you out. Uh, On behalf right. of what's up with the ward show, we do not condone the <laughs> The use of uh, well, we'll leave it at that. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead, Michael. <laughs> yeah, we don't do not try this at home. Yeah, you know? do not. So, the dumbest, one of the dumbest things in my life that I did do when I was locked up during those five years, I didn't get my GED. I, that was the dumbest thing in my life that I'm 47. I can see that I've done thus far. Mm-hmm. I'm in there selling weed and selling tobacco. You know, just keeping the hustle on. You know, some stuff that I knew. I had to get out. 
and then go get my GED. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror, you know, one on one, because what them pillows will tell you and what I tell you might be two different things. Them pillows will tell you this boy was crying. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> but I mean, I didn't know. All I knew was I was right. tired of the lockup life. That's mm-hmm. what I knew. I had to, you know, put some adjustments in there and I had to trust. I had to trust in some people. And the big thing is I had to invest in myself. That's right. what helped me to, to believe in myself. Mm-hmm. So you weren't taking no classes while you was you was uh, laying down? Yeah, I took classes. I mean, people was getting in and out and selling them some weed, but I didn't take. I didn't do nothing, Ward. I promise that was the big. That was the dumbest thing. I did not take advantage of. Only class I took, and I would tell y'all, was uh thinking for a change. It was a six month time cut, and then I got in trouble, so they took the six months back. So I didn't oh, even get a cut. That's crazy. Oh man, yeah. I, hate I hate when they do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Yes, the no. only class I took was trying to get out of there. I didn't want to take no class to better myself to prepare me once I get out. So it was oh, crazy. Okay. So, so do you think prison? really rehabilitates people or do the people have to rehabilitate themselves I, you know that'd be hard that'd be that's that's really a difficult thing you know i don't mm-hmm. care how many people you know how many doctor's degrees you have and how many psychology background or certifications or licenses you have but coming from a black man in today's society that right there is a bump to think about so when you lock us up and then label us you know that's that's another bump mm-hmm. but for me you know, I mean, so you can get one and say two different sides. Okay, yeah, really better take me. I got out here and I got my businesses going. I did this, this, and this. No, it was not that easy. You had turn downs. You had chat doors. You had people not returning emails. People not returning phone calls. Then it's leading you back to going ahead and do drugs, some stuff mm-hmm. that you to sell it. Yep. So, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. Do I think it rehabilitates 30% out of 100% is rehabilitating. Mm-hmm. The, other 70%, the other 70% is on your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Michael, you start thinking about the the, the, the limit of second chance for uh, employers, too. I mean, that makes it hard. You know, you got this, a large demographic looking for work, and there's only so so many jobs that are available out there. It's a setup for failure, if you really think about it. Yeah, it was, and that's why I lead back to the house arrest. So mm-hmm. think about you guys. I'm working mm-hmm. at, on 38th and Post Road. I was a reentry case manager. I'm working with these employers, getting these guys job, and then house arrest is not answering the phone for they can get off and go to work. Now, how does that play a role? Because if house arrest don't answer the phone, when you call an hour or two before you leave, you can't leave. So now they're late for work, and I didn't beg them to get a job. Let the employer give them some slack. So I'm down at the court office right there on what was that, uh, 25th and Shayla, Indianapolis, and then I'm down at the um, um, uh, city county building downtown Alabama. And I'm trying to help fix this. This is sad that they put these young men in these positions. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they kind of do the system like that because. My reading has taught me that the African-American male has been through four stages, and that's slavery, Jim Crow, mass incarceration, and now the threat of being killed by police. So, Oh, wow, that's deep. It seems mm-hmm. like the system is doing what it's supposed to, because if they can keep you, if they can first get you in the system, now they, mm-hmm. kinda, they, mm-hmm. they got you, because now, now they're making money off you either way it go. Yeah, I asked you about that paying that money when you get out. So you said it's eighty five a week for a person if you don't have a job. That, how, that yeah, how, you gonna, how are you going to pay that if you don't get if you don't have a job that you can't get to? They give you up to a cup. They give you up to a maximum of what well, then they do. I know it's still format singular because they're not re- reinventing the wheel. They pretty much going to go by what it's been. They give you to about three. Hello. Yeah, we're here. 
Okay, yep. it gets you to about three uh, three weeks to find a job. So three now the eighty five, yeah, three weeks to to find a job. So now the eighty five a week, it hasn't went away. That's you still owe that. But after a while, after about a month, month and a half, now they're gonna lock you up for failure to pay. Now you got to sit in front of the judge. I don't have a job. You are this and that, and how can I pay? So now either you got a choice, you got to try to find a job, or you can just gonna sit back in jail or prison for the next three or four years. It was it was a double jeopardy, man. It was it was it was sad. I will hmm. say that it was really sad. Do, it do was you, really sad. Do you feel uh, any uh, animosity toward the criminal justice system? Do, do you think your sentence was fair? Yeah, my sentence, I believe, was you know fair. One of my convictions was unfair, which was uh, intimidation on the police. My mindset has changed. So, like you just said, I'm I'm very comfortable with that the system's not broken per se from their point of view. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. My man, my man understands that. So I don't. I when I said I can't go back, I said it's a task on my hand. I'm not going back. And so how you gonna do that? I'm gonna put myself in a position where I mm-hmm. don't. Go back. Yeah. I have to. Put in the position I'm not worried about getting pulled over or none of that stuff my license okay insurance on my car I got my seat but I just really follow the rules now you know yeah I just follow the rules it wasn't a failure for you you learned what not to do so you still learn mm-hmm. yes I learned exactly because I got that too much of you know that entrepreneurship and I can't be in the box I can't be micromanaged mm-hmm. I just can't be tell me what the task is what we're gonna do and go ahead and trust in me you know, my, my background speaks for itself. I That's can, true. That is so true, Michael. Yeah. You know, you know I was thinking, Michael, well, I was thinking about what you were saying, you know, and it, it it's, it's almost like you play, you, they, they play a very dangerous game of life. And every time they move the goalposts, he's like, you either choose to continue to play this game or you remove yourself from the game. And that's what you did, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. wow. You, you're, you're right. Thank you so much. Because the only way you can beat somebody that's the enemy is not get in the ring with them. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's the only guaranteed way you're going to beat them. Just yeah. don't get in the ring with them. Yeah. One one of my favorite books uh, that I'm, I also like reading over again is the 10x rule. And the 10x mm-hmm. rule actually talks about that. It's saying you, if you take responsibility for something that goes right, you also have to take responsibility for something that goes wrong. That's true. That, that yeah, yeah. You're in control you take the, of the credit, situation. you take the blame. Yep. yep. That's, That's right. Oh, man, that is so true, too. I got two of them. Now, I'm still reading to this day. I'm going to read them until God calls me home. But it's uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Think and Grow Rich, and then you got Napoleon Hill. Um, oh, no, 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 no. Rich Dad Poor Dad Robert Kiyosaki. There you then go. You got Napoleon, Napoleon okay. Hill thinking grow rich. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad, and yeah. then thinking grow rich. I love that. Yeah, I, I get a I, chill I, I when, promise, when, when, when you said that. Oh uh, man, because man, that's a good he book. Wrote this book. Uh, Napoleon Hill wrote this book in 1939, not to veer off of it, but he said, "If you cannot, as a man, if we cannot control our sexual urges, we would never be, you know, financially fit. We would never have money like we wanted." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he wrote that in 1939. This is this 2021. This is still true to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. you got to have a lot of discipline. You know, not only do your mind has to be changed and set, you have to have a lot of discipline because it, life is gonna be unfair. Just because you have discipline doesn't mean that everything is going to be fair. The discipline is not how what happens to you; it's how you respond to it. Because some stuff is going to happen. Oh, you can mm-hmm. count on it. You can count on that. <laughs> yeah. So go, go ahead. Go, no, I was going to say. Think, uh, speaking of things happening, you had got shot. Tell me about that, and how did that? And okay. were you worried about getting paralyzed? And what, yeah, what's it was, like to get shot? What's it? It is a. Uh, 
It's like getting hit with that stun gun, but you still can feel it. Like you get a hit with a stun gun, you fall out on the ground. You got that, you got that hot lead up in your side, and it's burning and stuff. You trying to get it up out of there because it's hot. And you know, I'm not. Uh, Indianapolis is small. Let's just say um, some guys set up to try to rob uh, someone that I was dealing with, and it happened to be a female. So, and then she didn't have it, so called me. So I guess they figured they was going to rob me. So I ended up getting shot in the back for it. You was mm, trying to get away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ended up dead getting away. I sure did. You know, I got away straight to the hospital with a bullet in me. <laughs> and then the cops come there when you end up shot. Yeah. Right? No, they, they handcuffed me to the bed and everything. I couldn't do nothing. Mm. But, but how Just did, because, I don't, huh, why, 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 they, why would they handcuff you to the bed? Because you got shot, though. Because I got shot and, you know, I mean, I like I said, I was in that territory. You know, I know the faces and everything or whoever mm-hmm, would mm-hmm. I'm telling y'all nothing. This happened on the streets. We're going to handle this on the streets. <laughs> okay, I see. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, the, that's the life I was in, you know. Now, Michael, was this before or after incarceration? No, nah, this was before. This is all, and when I got okay, shot in okay. 99. Woo. I got locked up. Yeah, I got out in 2005. So it was like a year, uh, a year uh, cause well, after I got uh, shot is pretty much, and then I lost my daughter in 1999, and that's mm-hmm. when I got locked mm-hmm. up in November of 1999. I got locked up, and I got out September of 2005. So it was kind of like, you know, it was that's weighing on me. So that's a lot for anyone, but everything you've gone through in that short time frame, you know, you you start thinking about man, the decisions that you're making. You know, it's it's almost like do I do I stay down this path or do I keep do I try something different? It sounded like you didn't have a, you know, with everything that you went through, it was like, okay, it's a pivotal point in your life. This is now happening. And it, did you feel like it was going down that inevitable path or was it something that was going to like drawing you towards it? Or do you think that you didn't feel the need to make that change just yet until after incarceration? Well, nothing drastic had happened to me to make me make enough change. You know, okay. different people, Understood. let's Understood. just... Right, let's just say I get shot and you, somebody right beside you get shot. That might be enough for you, but me getting shot, I had to do that to be enough for me. Okay. You you know what I mean? Okay. To learn. So, yeah, that's that, that's how that went. So, me being shot, if I didn't get shot and put in that position get locked up, today I'd probably be still selling weed. I was so good at it and had so much at it that, you know, so I'm just glad my life is what it is today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everybody has, you know, pressure bust the pipe, but everybody can take different amounts of pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know what happened? You put that pressure on that cold, though. Yeah, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. I've seen and witnessed a lot of things. That's, yeah, man. I'm glad you just still moving forward. How were how old were you when you when you got out of uh, prison? How old were you again? Uh, shoot. Let me do the math. What is 2021? 2005, 15, 16 years ago. So 16. Yep, I got old fat because I got married in 06. So I was like 30. And that's when I got out. I was 30. That's when I got my GED, got married. You know, I was calling myself trying to do the right thing. But I look at it now. I didn't get married for love. I got married for acceptance because I was deep in the church and everybody was married and I wanted to be like everybody else. So yeah. I really wasn't mm-hmm. you know, telling it real, y'all. I'm telling y'all the truth. You know yeah. what happened to me. Yeah, respect. You know, so you, you, know, went I, out, you went out long before you got married then? Let me tell you this is crazy. 40 days. Like we talking right now today is the 21st. 40 days after I met her, we got married. <laughs> okay, we got to break out Steve Harvey's book. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sixty days, days, y'all. That's ninety days in his book. Oh, ninety days. That's right, ninety days. <laughs> he, he he got to write his own book. You know, he he don't yeah. last Steve. So. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was forty days, man. Forty days. Okay. I'm like, wow. So it was. We like I said, we we still really, really, really good friends. We don't talk as much, you know, as you know, as part of say she's living her life. I'm living mine. We just had two different parenting styles, and there's no griping and. Don't want to see each other That type of thing So it worked out for the best It was a good learning experience for me Because she was an anchor for me I got to give her all props She was working at that time uh, She had already had her master's degree And we was traveling around While she was doing her doctorial And I didn't have a GED Wait, So in my she, head She was a doctor? No she wasn't She was doing her doctorial She already has a master's In mental yeah. health from Purdue And she was working on her doctors While we met So I was pursuing my GED And she bought me books And she was helping me study so that yeah. that okay. I fell in love with that. I just want to tell you, I fell in love with that. You know, I really did. Somebody's helping me better myself. You know, mm-hmm. I fell in love with that. Yeah, so that, she helped me out. We traveled. Amazing. I just went, Yeah, we took pictures of TD Jake's Potter House when we was all out of town in Texas and Minnesota. We was everywhere. I was traveling with her while she was taking a residency. I learned some things from that too. So I good exposure. It, mm-hmm. yeah. it, it seemed like she was motivating you. And, and, and so did you fall in love? Wow, forty days. That was some. Uh, your game must have been strong to get a a, a doctor. <laughs> I mean, hey, if he can yeah, move seventy-two pounds, <laughs> hey, well, hold on, hold on. If he can move, wait, don't you think he can sell just about anything now? I, I believe I'm convinced. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. I'm Go ahead, call, sir. I'm gonna call lifetime too. We get a TV show because forty days, and then he got a doctor too. Hey, brothers, yeah. brothers want to hear what you did. What did you do? <laughs> But it's not right, you know. I, you know, real quick, I don't want to even go into it. But you want, I asked her that, and you told me you want want me to tell y'all what she told me, what I Absolutely. did. Yeah. Absolutely. We at the barbershop, and I'm up there with my son. Now, if anybody knows me, oh man, I love the kids. Your kids, my kids, everybody kids. That's that's my kryptonite. I'm weak for the kids. So we up there getting the bar. She got her son up here. So I just was. She saw. She told me. I saw how you was interacting with your son. You know, you was caring, you was loving, you rubbed on him. Sometimes you embarrassed him because, you know, fathers don't want to be trying to rub. I mean, that's just, I, and then she told me that. And then I was doing lawn care, keep in mind. And I looked at her and she was talking about, I need somebody to uh, cut my grass. And I looked at her, I said, I'll trim your bushes. I sure Uh-oh. will. Uh-oh. 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 I told her I would, tr- I did. I really did. Y'all I came wow. over, I had my, my hands trimmers. And after yeah. I trimmed her bushes and cut her grass, you know, it was like she got her grass cut every two weeks. And we just started talking more and just went from there. Then you stopped charging her. Yeah, I know, man. That's still my money, man. <laughs> see, that's, see, that's why I wouldn't have did that. I, I would still charge. I'm sorry. I got to Business is business, you know. But, uh, yeah, business is business. Until she, I came up one time, she had a GED book for me. Because I had oh. told her I wanted to think about going to Martin University and get my GED and get the PLA, which is prior learning assessments. And I come over there and cut the grass one time, and she had a GED book. You know, I held it up. I was like Friday. You know, I held it up. But when I got in the car, I cried. You know what I mean? Mm. I did. Somebody bought me a book. And I, I did. the reason why I cried, because I wanted to tell her, sweetie, if I could have passed my GED and read right now, I would have already passed it and bought my own book. Mm. I can't read. I'm 30 years old, you guys, and I could not read. This stuff is real, man. All I could do is count money and weigh, weigh weed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, oh, so. she, she helped me out, man. I appreciate that about her. She was reading, helped me sound them out, the syllables. I mean, I had a hooked on phonics that I was going to bed with. Yeah, that's what you got to do. I ain't mad at that. 
Yes, sir. Uh, hey, hey, Michael, can can we can we reverse for just a second? That that really kind okay. of struck a chord before. Now you you mentioned now you you were in high school through tenth grade. You were a track star, a high school track star with a record to this day. Isn't it yes, amazing that one of the better school systems in the area to this day pushed you through up to that point and that and then struggling to get your GED? That's I just I just have to pause on that for a second. Oh, uh, for uh, me going Franklin Central? Yeah, uh, oh, I wasn't going to say the school, but since you said it. It's out there now. Oh, it's out okay. There. Yeah. <laughs> Can't edit that out. <laughs> I, was, I just, you know, I like to run. I wrestled. I wrestled and I ran. Yeah, I never lost a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. And then ran track. I was always fast and, you know, kind of versatile, flimsy, if you want to call it. So that's why they put me on the hurdles in the 4x4 four four and the 4x1. So my, my record was... Um, it was a 38-3. It still stands to this day, 1990, 300 lows, and nobody has ever ran under a 40 seconds in uh, 300 lows. So I got them. And, you know, they just start looking out for me. Teachers start talking to teachers, make sure I pass the class, you know, so I go out there and run track for them, make the school make money. You know, I learned all that stuff. Mm. Yeah, it, to me, that sounds like a different form of incarceration than use to me. That's what I'm just saying. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. ongoing. I'm on. sorry. I mean, they said they, they, they used you for what they can get in that instance. And uh-huh. then at the end of the day, when things went sideways, was it, where were the counselors? Where were the coaches? Where were the teachers? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's exactly right. No, you're right. I'm sorry, but I you're mean, right. It's just, it's sectionals and regionals and state. When you got all that stuff at one school and you think of it on a broader broadcast, it's like Indianapolis when we host in Super Bowls and stuff. You know, know, we're not thinking about the little guys. We're cleaning up downtown so they can come back to the Lucas Oil Stadium. And then we're going to make sure this athlete is taken care of because he's bringing us sectionals and regionals, which means that we're going to get that state money to build up our schools and our sports system. I mean, I understand all that stuff now. I really do. And I don't make it right, but I still still understand it. Yeah, right. I think that's that's smart, too, because... You don't have to agree with something. You just got to understand the rules before you yep. got to change the game. I before think. the goalpost gets moved thinking. on you. Mm. And all that thinking, get an understanding. Yep. I think a lot of people who want to see change, they try to make change without knowing the rules. And and if you don't know the game, I just don't, you got to have a, a harder uphill battle. So yep, you, that's it. That's it. You just got to understand the, you know, the infrastructure of it all. So, yeah. Yes, sir. That that's a prog- that process I was telling them about. They don't know the process. Everybody know the mission. I want money. I want this house. I want a car. I want more paying on my job per hour. Everybody know the mission, but what's the process? Mm-hmm. It's a process you got to go through. Nobody wants to do the process, man. I'm like two percent. You guys are two out of a hundred percent of people who are willing to go through the process. Yep. It's, it's sad. It's Put sad. in the work. Put in the work. Put in the work. That's it. Yeah, you're right. That's what it is. That's why I was asking you about how old you were. When you get out, because for you to go back and get that GED at 30, uh, I used to work with a lot of young men who who probably would have given up at that point. Like, I don't. what was your motivation? What, was it was it the, the ex-wife who encouraged you to do that? Or was that just you? Man, she played. No, she, pl- she played a major role, sir. She really did. She played a major role. And I guess I have to give myself credit because people have been jumping on me for years about not giving myself credit. I, I couldn't. That control thing. I. I like, well, I can say this. I like control, but in a good way to help somebody. And my method of keeping control was staying up on the latest and relevant information. So what they had to do for me, I had to go through the process of studying <laughs> and studying and researching and asking questions and taking classes and getting certifications and licensures. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. When mm-hmm. I got out, 
When I got out, I got a GED. Let me tell you what I happened real quick. I started crying. Me and my wife at the time rolled past Martin University on the highway. I started crying like I've done it. And I told God then, I told him right then when they accepted me in there and I got my GED, I said, God, I'm going to be in somebody's facilitating class, seminar, teaching session for the rest of my life. If I'm not teaching, I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I promise God that you, you, we, I can lie to you, y'all can lie to me, but boy, you lie to God. I mean, right. you know, that's hey, a that's, whole that's another level. <laughs> right, whole another level. That's, that's lying to yourself, lying to him. That's lying to yourself because I promise myself I'm gonna be. That's the only way I can keep my power. So if I got power to tell you good, relevant information, it's like you, you, uh, uh, uh war come up and give me five hundred dollars. And then your right hand man right there, he gives me some advice that saves me fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing to me. He gave me some advice to sell to, to save me some money. Oh man, that is my God. Thank you. I'm listening to him. What you need mm-hmm. me to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm traveling. Yes. I mean, that's just I'm diligent about that. If I need something, if I want something, I'm at your leisure. I will mm-hmm. hang out, drink a coffee, and wait on you. Right. <laughs> it's uh... <laughs> Let me let me ask you how do you feel about this figure here? What, what are your thoughts on Malcolm X? What are my thoughts on? Okay, you mean as uh, when I say my thoughts of him as a man, or uh, how would they look at him in today's society? Was he before his time? He didn't have a degree, but yet he was smarter than most of the politicians that came up after him. I mean, what do you? Which way you want me to yeah, go? Yeah, I, I just, I just kind of, I've always, been, I've always been fascinated by him, and I just always ask people what they think about him because y'all. Y'all kind of have similar stories. I just wonder what you thought about him. Did you ever read any of this material? Do you know anything about him at all? You know I had to. Yes, sir, I did. You know, and his father got passed and ran over by that train and stuff, and they putting the guns and stuff on his mother, and she became um, um, withdrawn, yep, crazy, mm-hmm. withdrawn. Yeah, and then he memorized an encyclopedia. I mean, who does that? Who, right. I mean, who does? you have to have some type of diligence and persistence about yourself to do that, and Actually, I wanted to mimic some of that. Yeah, Malcolm. <laughs> I did too. I really did. I wanted to mimic some of that. I like to go into a room, and you know, we got our briefcases and papers and notebooks and stuff. But when someone asks me a question, it's like right now, I'm here looking at the recording. We've been on 42 minutes and 33 seconds, and the questions y'all asking me is these are the top of my head, the information that I know and it's relevant to me. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? so mm-hmm. I can answer. That's that's power to me. Like I've done my research on different topics, and if I haven't. I'll say, let me get back to you. Right. You know what I mean? I, I love that because that means I can help somebody, you know. Mm-hmm. Let, yeah. be I can it's a lot of guys out here that need help. Yeah, you're right. Um, on that Malcolm X thing, I just want to add too that uh the government, well, I should say the government, the powers that be played his father and said his father actually committed suicide. And I guess he supposedly shot himself in the back of the head and then drug himself to a train track and then a train run itself. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just right. saying, so many things within that game. <laughs> so and then, I don't know if you guys, um I know you're familiar with Greg, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Dick Gregory. Yep. Okay, one of the things mm-hmm. he was, I researched this too because you know I love people, but I'm just not gonna take your word for it. But I researched and he was correct. The bullets that they found in Malcolm X came from an angle from the top, not straight from the chest. They can right. tell how it enters the body. Okay, so two weeks before he had this speaking, uh, the CIA had to make sure and, and admit to it that they rented that space out. Yep. Yep. That's true. I mean, this is stuff. This is this is public information that people can look up and see that we're not just saying this stuff. This stuff really happened. Yes. And I'm like, okay, so they, you know, I didn't want to jump off into it too deep, but I'm talking about the, the dangerous person in the world to me. Everybody has their opinion, but an educated black man—that's a dangerous thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, because you're right. Because back in slave days, 
uh, one of the areas that I said has been tough for uh, black people. They didn't want you to read because reading it leads to knowledge. Knowledge leads to education, and education leads to change your situation. So mm-hmm. that's how powerful it is that, that people should read. And that's why I said I enjoy reading a good book. And you just you get information. And I'll tell you this: at my, at my job now, I'm an insurance agent, and a lot of times we write literature for the public. We have to go back and rewrite it because they say you got to present this at a fifth grade reading mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. because oh, the average person oh, is going to be over their head. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in like, mm-hmm. are you serious? I had to go to school, get my college degree, and then I got to learn to write at a fifth grade level. Some just ain't right here, but... Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's real. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's real. That, that's what it is. So, um, Dang. Okay. Let me let me move on here and ask you a couple of... What are your views on politics? Do you think politics or is the way to change the way for, for, the, for the black man and change things? Or... Oh. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think no policy. I think we're going to have to change ourselves. Like I, it's hard for me to sit back and, and think that somebody, you know, some states and some countries, not countries, but states over is going to help me and come and knock on my front door yeah. and help me in a way, as opposed to getting my brain, you know, trained and, you know, structured of waiting on the government or the politicians to do anything for you. You know, some of us has been, you know, trained, you know, to do this and do that. Yeah, I think it's going to be on the man. They can help with with the broader, but coming down to the individuals with this gun. I mean, it's a lot of things the politicians didn't do that I can say that I think it should have been done. You know, hate crimes against shooting young black men. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's so crazy, man. Okay, the police need different training systems. No, they don't need different training systems. Why is the only color getting shot is black? Right. Uh, we, you know, so I mean, this. I mean, there's so much going on that the politics. I don't. I. I mean, I. I speak on it. I don't touch it because people really don't want to hear my my opinion mm. on it. I mean, well, I, I, Michael, here, here's something for something to think about real quick. We have to okay. remember the sources of where our information is coming from and the the rules. It goes back to the game. Now, right now, I don't. I'm not sure if we all know about this or not, but do you know about the slaves version of the Bible that was created in eighteen in eighteen hundreds that was specifically set up. To leave out certain passages of the word that would uh-huh. cause or lead to incitement of riots that would go in, in, that would cause slaves to go against their slave masters. That was that's from the foundations of some things that has been in the western part of this world. So you start wow. thinking about to, to the point of where are where are things when it comes to information and and the empowerment of individuals. We have to remember where our sources come from. And uh-huh. your point and what Ward was saying as well, be careful of your sources, vet and verify for yourself, and knowledge is power. That's what I'm gonna say on that. So Yes, sir. I received that. That's great. Yeah, I, I agree totally. You have to be careful because yep. when you be think careful about your sources. It, it's a lot of things that um I've learned too to, to try to be more careful with because like you said, a lot of people don't want to hear it because I think the majority of the people are followers. I think 95% of people in the world are followers and 5% are leaders. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. I really, I really yeah. shouldn't say leaders. I should just say those are people who, who say, you know what? This, this is not working for me. Like, like I, I have so much respect for Harriet Tubman. And they don't really talk about her enough for me. Right. But for her to lead at least 300 people that we know of out of slavery and not know, you know, the, the net. She, could, she, couldn't even, she didn't even finish high school either. She, she had a, a oh, right. And for her to go through the, and, you know, she carried a gun and she told people, a dead man don't talk. 
So if she's right. like, when she knock on your door, you you coming with me or you got to die. And I was, I was right. Like, yeah, I was like, why was she so hardcore like that? Because she was a pioneer, and a lot of times the pioneer is the one who who ends up being the martyr, if you will. Like look, look at Martin Luther King, look at look at Malcolm X. They had two different styles, but they both ended up the same way: died mm-hmm. of gunshots. Mm-hmm. So right, that's exactly yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. I hear so, that. So somebody steps out on on there. You really got to believe in yourself, because yeah, that's true. That true. That yeah. Um, what what else I want to talk to you about? Uh, uh oh yeah yeah. So speaking of marriage, so so you're a marriage survivor. You you went on also to become a marriage counselor too. You've done that in the, in the past too, didn't you? Yes, I did marriage counseling and relationship counseling. Like I said, I was deep in the church and I was a assistant pastor. I was youth director. So, you know, like I said, I got good words and that psychology helped me out a whole lot studying that psychology in school. Why, why do you think couples meet each other? And uh, I wouldn't really say most people don't get married in 40 days, but what when people meet what 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 makes the wheels fall off a relationship? Why 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 are not why we don't have longevity in it anymore? What's going on in your your perspective? Um, what well, to to build that foundation? I was thinking I go by this rule. This is my two year rule. I'm gonna invest two years in you. We're gonna live apart and we're gonna date for a year. Then we're gonna live together and hmm. date for a year. Then we can see if we're gonna spend the rest of our life together. You know, what we do is most of the times, I'll say 83 to 92% of us, we see somebody that lust takes over. Okay, let's move in as we love our, uh, love each other happily ever after. Mm-hmm. So then what happens, we find out who they are as a person, not who they are in bed when the lights are out. So right. this is the person we're gonna spend the rest of our life with. So now each person brings their own baggage, you know, to the relationship. So now we figured out, you know what, this is a little bit too much baggage for me to be dealing with every day. Mm-hmm. So we jumped into lust and they thinking it's love because, you know, most of the time, not all, but most of the time females, you know, they think with emotions more than with their brain. And when it comes to this relationships and sometimes the man, we think more with our other head than we do with our top head because she's she's not a good fit for us, but she has a nice body and she looks good. Yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of us, you know, put that and, and draw that out of perspective. Mm. You know, working together and building a family, building a future. Yes, I love that. My mother and father, you know, personally has been together 48 years, married together. And 48 I years? 48 years. 48 years married together. They can, they can know, read each other's thoughts. They sure can. There's five of us and all of my brothers and sisters are married. All of them, except me. And I'm like, I don't even have a woman. I'm like, what's going on with that? But, you know, mm-hmm. I know what's going on with it. So I just had to. I know what I want now. That's what's going on with it. For real? Mm-hmm. What do you want? Tell us. Describe describe uh, the next uh, Mrs. Corn. Okay, the next Mrs. Corn. I need someone who depends on me, obviously. But however, don't fall apart if something don't go through my way. I need her to have her own set of life going on. I need her to have some ambition and some goals. You know, it's okay to support me, but you know what? I'm not belittling no support because that's very huge. But I don't need a whole bunch of it. You know, I'm going to do what I need to do is feel comfortable. Like I watch my father and my mother in a, you know, in a different level. He support her and take care of her. As long as she happy, he's okay. You know, mm-hmm. so in my head, I'm going to make sure I take care of my business, but I want her to have something going on so I can support her. She has to be willing. She has to not be insecure. Because males and females are people who I talk to, people who I touch, people who, you know, we meet up at Starbucks and have coffee, go over meetings. 
she has to be secure with herself. She mm-hmm. has to love kids, and she has to most of all, if anything else don't happen, if you don't fear God, I'm sorry, I'll holler at you next week, and I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about physically? What, what are you attracted to? Is there a certain race you like? Is there a certain body type? Or does that not matter as long as the other boxes are checked? Well, I will say this. I'm... Um, um, I'm. A, I want someone. I'm a mama's boy. I'm a real. The real definition of a mother's boy is you, you take care of your mother. Your mother doesn't take care of you. You know. I just recently. I had two goals in my life. One of them is to get my land. I'm doing that. But here was it three weeks ago. Yeah, three weeks ago. I bought my mother a 2009 Escalade. Cash. Pay cash for it. Mm, nice. You know? Okay. Yeah, I, I bought that for my mother. And the only other thing I want to do is get my land so I could build her house on there. But you know, um, other than that, I just. Um, from the mother and the son's, you know, point of view, I just want to make sure that they're happy. You know, make sure that she's happy. My mother and then my wife, you know, obviously my future wife, make sure that her parents are grounded too. You know, okay. you just you don't you don't want any resistance from the in laws because if you're marrying their daughter or or vice versa, you're gonna see them a number of times. Yeah, you know what I mean. At yeah. least a couple times, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, you're marrying your family too, really. So yeah, yeah. Oh, think about that. You definitely got to think about that. And then it's a process. People know the mission. Okay, the mission is, uh, you know, uh, we're going to be married happily ever after and spoil each other and go on trips and have kids and they're going to be <laughs> successful and everything. But okay, but now it's a process to get to that. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah right. That's Everything's right. a process, that's right. yeah. That's how I used to tell people when I used to, uh, teach those classes. I said, you can do anything, but it's like mm-hmm. going up steps. We got to take one step at a time. As long as you know right. these are the steps. Let's take these steps. We can do it together, but no, there's steps. We just can't jump to the top. It don't, it's not logical. Hey, I got a question for you, Mr. War, because you was a part of this. Now, watch this. I got a question for you. Yes. You, you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Go ahead. Remember, remember when I was coming up there on my own time? Yep. Coming to on third on, on pace. And you guys surprised me with that Michael Kors watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see? Yeah. yeah. I, it's the watch I still got to this day. I can't wow. afford no watch. <laughs> yeah, Ward, I still got that watch. I'm not man, playing. That's amazing. I went to the store and bought another battery, but I still got that watch and it's in good condition. Man, so my question, amazing. my question to that, what made y'all do that? I was so surprised. I'm like, <laughs> man, I'm doing this because I'm helping people. And they talking to you. what made y'all do that? You was a part of that, Ward. Well, um, Ward, you giving out watches? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I man, do that. Man, man, wait, 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 whoa, 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 Michael, I can't even get a Casio out this out this dude, man. Trey, I'm gonna get you one for the Dollar Tree. I saw him yesterday. I, I want to say that. No, no, no. <laughs> but I got you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me say it right. It it wasn't a Michael. I'm sorry. It was a Kenneth Cole. That's what uh, it was. Still. I think you're right. I forgot. Yeah, it's one it's of them. Kenneth oh, yeah, right. No, it's a Kenneth Cole. I got it. It's got the green back and got the black leather, and it's really nice. Kenneth Cole. Because I had okay. to go get me a Kenneth Cole battery. Because I tried to put a cheap battery in there. It didn't work. I'm like, man, they got me a nice watch. Yeah, you got to do the good stuff. Well, I'll say this. For those who are listening, uh, Michael used to come to this place I worked at called Paces, Public Action and Correctional Efforts, where we worked okay. with people who were recently uh, released from incarceration, and we helped them find jobs going their way. So Michael would right. come up there, and he talked one time, and he really helped out the class I was in. He, he would come in there with a nice suit on, nice shoes. <laughs> you would think this dude was CEO of some building. So everybody looked at all the other dudes fresh out like, who is this dude? And then so we right. started playing off that. And I said, who you guys think he is? Then he would tell his story. He'd bring out, he had a trifold with his life, pictures and everything. Dang, he right. would tell his story. And everybody said, what? By the time we got through talking to these people that day, not only was everybody's family, 
but everybody was empowered. And for you to come back in there and tell that story, That's man, amazing. it's something we couldn't do. So wow. we just tried to give you a little token of, of our That's... appreciation to say, man, you, you know, we appreciate you doing that because you didn't have to do it. And so right we, just, we just all worked together and it, it was a good, good fit. And that was like 2006. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I want to say something about that too. One dude came up to me. He told me, he said, man, he said, I used to move a lot of weight in Indianapolis. He said, it wasn't none of a thing for me to be in a hotel room with two, $300,000 on the bed and me sitting up here, you know, rental cars and all that stuff. He said, but after I went to jail and came back, he said, I, I went to y'all class and I left and I got a job at the La Quinta Inn. He said, my check, my check was $200. He said, but you know what? When I went to the, to the uh, Dollar Tree and I bought me some underwear and some socks, he said it wasn't mm-hmm. that much. He said, but I didn't have to look over my back. He said, I wasn't uh... worried about it. He said, the feeling that came over me to knowing that I'm still somebody, even though yes. I don't have a lot of money, I'm mm-hmm. a real person. I said, man. So, And that's real power right there, Ward. Yeah, that's real yeah. power. And so that's the stuff real that power. was giving him. He was showing us that because a lot of times people say I got a felony they feel like you know that, that's a label that's like HIV or something that you know you you, you gotta look no it's, it, that means you made a mistake and you got caught that don't mean nobody else didn't do it it's just they didn't get caught they so, didn't mm-hmm. right yeah, so yep, I got two felonies myself <laughs> yeah. I sure appreciate y'all for that too I was just loving it because you remember man a bunch of the people we knew well, I, I knew him in there. So he was like, man, Mike, you was locked up with me. How you come out <laughs> right. and working yeah. for the mayor and all kind of stuff, you know? Yep. Yep. Tell, tell us what some, so what are the, some of the things you've done, some of the positions you had, some of the, the titles and degrees you had. Where are you at now in life? Okay, well, some of the things I've done, I've, I've always, I did maintenance for like 13 years. I ran my lawn care business for 18 years. I did home improvement for four years. So I've been assistant pastor. I've uh, been armor girl to start off. I got my bachelor's in psychology. Hmm. I got my associate's degree in biblical studies, Martin University. I got my HVAC, Indiana Tech, and my EPA. And then I got my CDLs. I went to class for that too. And I was thinking about it, you know, as far as um, philosophy. I was going to get a master's in philosophy. But right now where I'm at in life is uh, I run a, a trucking company and I do wow. real estate. So. I got a couple of real estate properties and I got a couple of R&B, uh, Airbnb properties. Mm-hmm. And then I run a trucking, I run a trucking company. And this is, I'm happy about this and I'm not shooting their sight or boast or break, but these are my guys. I got a couple of guys, which my language is different with them. I don't have employees. I have business partners. Mm-hmm. So nice. my business partners, nice. yeah, they might run up under my DOT, but I'm, my mentality is no, you work for yourself and for who's up under your roof. You don't work for me. So I'm not your boss. I don't do that boss word. You know, my boss, me personally, my boss don't live in the flesh. He don't eat food or drink water, none of that. My boss is in the spirit. So without yeah. throwing at everybody, I just let them know I'm not their boss. But okay, day one did 2714, the other one did 2686. That was this week. I just did payroll yesterday. Now, this mm. is what my this is what they're making a week, you guys 26, 27. Yeah, 100 a week. Man. So I do the same thing I do. That's what my trucking company, I make it probably. I don't know, $1,200 or $1,400 more per week uh, than them. But it took me it took me a process to mm-hmm, get to here. Mm-hmm. Then my Airbnbs, I did rental properties for years. That's what made me get my HVAC, you guys. Remember me talking about uh-huh. my power? Yes. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I got tired of guys fixing on my houses and jipping me. I had no power. I didn't know how you were supposed to do it. So I went back to school so I could save money and do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <Man>. I'm <laughs> I don't know if you cheat or just... 
Hey, Mike out here changing the game. He, he's not changing the game. He's rewrite. He's making the game. Right. You know what I mean? I just, I just, you know, I just got tired of this. So I'm doing that right now. So my main focus for the rest of my life is obviously being blessed to be a blessing, giving back in real estate, which is Airbnb and real estate, and then my trucking. I'm helping so many guys, you know, change their lives. They're happy. They're paying their bills. They're making $2,000 a week. They're doing it legally. We don't have to watch over our back. I got a nice CPA. I got a tax accountant. I got a financial advisor, a nice, doc- a nice doctor, and my favorite pastor in the world. I mean, it's, it's different things that people I put in my life. This is not me. Do Mike, you run a business? Well, it might have my name and my company on there, but I get different advice from at least five different people. Mm-hmm. That's smart. That's smart. So let me, ask you, let me ask you. Go ahead. If you could go back to ask, to, to give young Mike some advice, what would you tell him? If you can go back to him now, age seven, right now, just go to 17 year old and talk to him. What would you tell him? Be prepared. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could tell him because I wouldn't change no war. Honestly, if I change something, I probably wouldn't be talking to you guys and being able to express what I went through and yeah. still have this still have the same mindset that I have like I'm not too late I didn't start this too late oh I'm black I got to work against a uh, strike against me I'm a man I got strike. I don't care about none of that I'm gonna go right. out there and give it my best and I'm gonna keep doing it because one thing I have learned about the universe pressure will bust a pipe if I keep pursuing something for so long eventually I'm gonna get it that's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Eventually, I'm going to get it. So, I will only tell myself at 17 years old, I'm 47 right now, to be prepared. That's all I would say. Be prepared. You want this, you want that, be prepared. And I'm going to look at myself like, be prepared for what? For the process. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, hey, Michael, let me let, let me get your opinion on this real quick. I've heard also that people live their life in 20-year increments. So, now uh-huh. this is your second time around being a 20-year-old. So, now, basically, you're seven years old again. So Okay. How do you, how do you how do you see yourself now living into your 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 second set of of, of twenty years old? How do you compare yourself at twenty to forty, and then where do you see yourself at sixty as you get to that third mm. set of third set of twenty? Mm. Okay, that's that's easy for me because my life my life is planned out. That's really easy for me. A lot of people don't think about, it, but I don't have to think because I've already thought about it. Okay, my two things I said I always wanted to do in my life. One is to buy my mama. Uh, escalate cash with no payments because I got tired of hearing my mother and father said they couldn't afford it. And then two, I'm gonna give me about two to four acres of uh, two to four acres of land and build my mother and father a house on my land and hand them the deed. Mm. You know, so this is this is this is your land. This is your this is this is y'all. So me, I watch movies and I love them. So Troy. I don't know if you guys remember that movie Troy. Yes, uh-huh. when he kept, yeah, he kept saying, "Man, they're going to talk about you for a thousand years. My family is going to talk about me." Uncle Mikey, your cousin Mikey, your uncle, your granddaddy—he bought Nana a car, or he bought this land, and now look at that—he been gone for sixty years, and we still all living off this land by how I'm gonna have it set up with the real estate lawyer. You know, this is—they're gonna have a statue of me. My life is playing out. I'm gonna get my master's in philosophy. I'm gonna keep helping people. I'm gonna build all my companies up. I'm gonna pass them down to my sons. You know, they're yep, 26 generation. and 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm on that stuff that I saw on TV where people like one time. I'll give you a perfect example. My daughter was doing something. She's helping me out. She's 23 now, but she wasn't nothing but like 16, and she was doing something. I was doing a home improvement, and they're gonna tell her the only reason. Now keep in mind, man. You know these young girls got a mouth on them. No, 
smart as far as cussing nothing but they told her well only reason you doing this because your daddy run the company and she said <laughs> so what? she said so what what's your daddy doing i can't help but your daddy a bum i mean i'm like precious you can't talk to that's my daughter <laughs> 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 I said, Precious, you can't talk to people like that. But, you know, she's good. It just, it kind of made me feel good, but I had to let her know that you can't, you know, talk to people like that. But at the same time, I want that where my kids struggle. Like, I don't know if you ever read that baby face. He had that, he had his house on top of a mountain and it turned on top of a mountain where his kids' room, both his boys, was in his room. He said he didn't even give them a room till they got about 13 years old. And this was because he wanted them to have discipline, not take nothing for granted. That's something similar that I want to do to my kids. I don't care if I run this. And now my first year, which was last year for my trucking company, I did nine months and I cleared 133000 Now, I'm, mm. yeah, I'm on the road for this year. I'm on the road for two eighty to three fifteen thousand. Well, my company generates $300,000 a year. However, I want my kids to know that, Daddy, this stuff ain't easy. And y'all mm-hmm. not, for, you know, run around mm-hmm. with it. your shoulder like y'all got it easy. You're going to get right. up work from the bottom up uh, so that's my life. That's my nothing life. wrong with hard work didn't hurt anybody work no <laughs> i love it man i appreciate you guys man y'all got some good questions man. I, hope we help somebody, man. I love uh, it man. uh you know what we, we, we're gonna segue into this uh final part of the show before we wrap it up here and this section is called getting to know you well, you've you given us a pretty good picture of who you are so far. I mean, we like what we've seen, but we can ask you just a couple questions, you know, kind of like would okay. you rather. Uh, okay. Trey, do you want to go first or you want me to jump in there? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. This is a would you rather. If you had to do one of these two, would you rather lose the ability to read or the ability to speak? Which one had to go? The ability to speak? Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm a sign language all day. I can point at it, but yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. okay. I got to read that. I don't know what they're telling me. That's the loss of my power. Man, I ain't got no power if I can't read and understand it. That's right. That's right. Okay. Question two: Would you rather go back to jail for one year or lose a year of your life? Or use a year a year of my life? Yep. Give a year of your life, or go to jail for you. You had to do one. That would be, I mean, to me, that's like, I'll go back to jail for a year because I'm still operating and losing my life. When you say lose my life and my sleep for that whole year, because in jail, I still can make phone calls. And now I have a different mindset of learning. So yeah. I, would to, I would have to choose jail because I still got, I'll be able to read books. Yeah, you're right. Remember T.I. <laughs> go back after he got out? He go right back that time. I was like, dang, that had to be hard for him, though. Yeah. Uh, okay. Which TV show was better, Good Times or Martin? Oh, uh, you know what? I good times are more. Mm. I, I mm. like good times, man, because it made me, you know, do you know why they got rid of James on good times? I like good times of because. He, I, you, you know I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> he, he, didn't oh, like the, he didn't like that image. He didn't like the image. Yeah, he didn't like people. that image. Exactly my point. You're right. So I will go with good times because that's what I saw. And now I look back on it and I love my mom and dad because my father is my best friend in the world. But now I look back on my mother and father, and I'm just being. Thirty-three years of IGPUI bone studies, and then my father always kept a good job. But you know, for the most part, you know, we couldn't keep the gas on sometimes, so we can get heat in the winter. And-
age, if y'all guys remember, we burned the fireplace little. Mama had to put a pot in the fireplace because, you know, to warm up our water so we can wash up and go to school. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm, and my mm. father, you know, that, that was real stuff. My mom put that pot, put that water in there in the morning time. She had that fireplace going, my father, and heat that water up so, you know, we all could wash up in it. It was only two pots and it was five of us, so y'all better hurry up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I know stories like that, man. That's real. Muhammad Ali once was quoted as saying he didn't have a problem with any man that worked hard for his family, even if he was a, a, a dude picking up trash off the street. He said because that man is taking care of his family, and that's a real man. So that's a real man. Yeah, no matter what you that's went right. through, as long as you you got through it, you know. Yeah, right. That's what they say. I love it. Yeah. So, Michael, go ahead and tell the people where uh, they can find you at. Uh, Okay, if you want to, Michael Corner, C O R N N E R, just Michael Corner on Facebook. You'll see my picture. I got, I guess, a yellow sweater on. Uh, Michael Corner. And then if you want to go to my um, Gmail, it will be C Logistics 75 at gmail.com. C Logistics 75 at gmail.com. That's my business email. You guys can get in touch with me through that. If you got any questions about anything, I'd love to hear from anyone. Okay. Awesome. Powerful. Powerful. All right. Well, uh, again, I want to thank Michael Corner for dropping by the What's Up Award Studios today and sharing his story with us. Very inspiring. Yes, yes. Encouraging us all to do better. Um, when you think about it, we're only on this marble for a limited number of hours. So remember this: nothing changes. As lo- as lo- nothing changes until something changes. Rather, a man mm-hmm. who was once fifty-three years old. He had a great recipe for chicken, but nobody believed in him. He kept talking to anybody who would listen, and he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Remember, he was 53 when he started out. To this day, we have 25,000 KFC restaurants over 145 countries and territories all around the world. So this is what you guys know. Don't give up. Keep trying. Never give up. Another episode of What's Up Award. So on behalf of Trey, myself, and Michael, peace. 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 This is what Ward wonders. The other day I was working in my job uh, in Gary, Indiana. So I was driving back home to Indianapolis. I said, I guess I'll go to this fast food restaurant. I really don't like going to fast food restaurants because it's just not healthy. But when you're on the road, you don't have a lot of choices. With that being said, I walked in this restaurant and the line was wrapped around long. So you know, a McDonald's long line is a long line. It's not Chick-fil-A. So I waited. In line for five minutes, I said, you know, I'm just gonna run inside. I run inside, a McDonald's worker was walking carrying a couple of uh, trays with two, three orange pops on it, I guess, or whatever pop flavor was. I don't think they have orange anymore. Anyway, she drops the whole thing on the floor. She just looked there, put her hands up, walked to the back, got a Big Mac, French fry, grabbed her drink, and walked out the door and told me, be careful, sir, don't step over there. And she left it there. I watched her go outside. I even took a picture of her. She sat down start eating her food. She slept on the ground. So the other guy comes up to me, take my order. He was waiting for like two minutes and he walks around like mad because somebody walked in the lobby instead of waiting in a long line. So I'm standing there. I said, uh, do you want to help me? He said, yeah, what you want? Look, he's staring at the wet, um, wet drink on the floor. And you know, I ordered my food. He finally gave me the food. And then I said, um, can I get a extra sauce with this? Because I got some nuggets. He was like, Oh, that, that's like 30 cent extra. I was like, 30 cent extra? How many? How do you guys know? 
how many nuggets you get with the sauce. I mean, I can get unlimited ketchup. I can get free refills on things. But the sauce, I have to pay 30 cents extra. It's just 30 cents. It was the principle that mattered. It wasn't that I couldn't afford that extra 30 cents. I just didn't see why would I have to pay extra 30 cents after I've already paid for the food. This is something that goes with it. Everything else is free. So I'm thinking, if you build a restaurant, you sell a product, I come to the restaurant to buy said product, you've already won. You've won the game. Just give me the, what I'm asking for. So I started thinking, you know, when I go to Chick-fil-A, not only am I in and out in under two minutes, maybe three minutes sometimes as long, my food is always hot. They always greet you with the, my pleasure. And you can get as many sauces as you want. So I looked it up. I said, let me see how much money these places make on average, just an average store. An average um, Chick-fil-A store makes about $6.5 million a year per store. The average McDonald's store makes $7.6 million a year. And keep in mind, Chick-fil-A does not open on Sundays. And they're, they're about a million behind them. So imagine what would happen if they worked on that Sunday. So it got me thinking that maybe, and I mean, I may be going out on a limb here, but just maybe McDonald's could give me an extra sauce if I ask for it. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. But like I said, I, I just have to be smarter and, and not go to McDonald's if I can because I just, it just makes one wonder. 